Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's episode, I'm talking to Cynthia Revo about her starring role as Aretha Franklin in Genius Aretha. We're also chatting about playing the Blue Fairy in Pinocchio, her upcoming debut album, and why she'd love to start a fashion line. I'll have a Revo coming up soon, but first, let's take a look at this week's Just for Variety column. Andrew Lloyd Webber tells me that rehearsals have started once again for his upcoming musical adaptation of Cinderella. Freshly minted Promising Young Woman Oscar nominee Emerald Fennell wrote the show's book. Fennell was in the audience recently to watch her first run-through of the show. West End theaters are set to reopen in May. For more of my chat with Andrew Lloyd Webber, head over to Variety.com tomorrow, March 24th. I first met Cynthia Revo on the red carpet at the opening night of The Color Purple. She went on to win a Tony for her work in the revival of the beloved musical. Last year, Revo earned her first Oscar nomination for her starring role as Harriet Tubman in Harriet. Now, she's playing Aretha Franklin in National Geographic's Genius Aretha, a role Revo landed after producers Clive Davis and Brian Grazer saw footage of her singing Franklin's Ain't No Way during an interview with me on the Tony's red carpet in 2019. Ain't no way for me to love you if you won't let me. It ain't no way for me to give you all you need if you're tying both of my hands. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. This is your fault. I hope you know that. I just... I. Every story I've been reading now, it's there. The Today Show, I don't know if you saw the Today Show yesterday. <laughs> they did it and they showed the clip. <laughs> it's wild to me. It's your fault. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. crazy? I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> I know I, my husband and I were watching it and I was like, oh my God, this started with just me having fun on the carpet. How wild is that? It's crazy. Yeah. No idea. We're totally oblivious. You know, we have fun whenever we see each yeah. other. <laughs> and we sing and we do whatever we want to do. And that that little video <laughs> went. <laughs> and now on Facebook, I'm getting, do you get residuals? Do you get a producer credit? <laughs> I'm like, Amazing. you know. I'm going to be talking to Cynthia tomorrow. I got to talk to her. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It has been a crazy ride, you know, um, since last year, getting everything done. We were filming during the pandemic towards the end of it. It was nuts. And now this, and, you know, you just sit and you wait and you hope that people, you know, take your work in the right way. And I think people are starting to watch it and, the things are like good things are happening and people are saying really nice things. So I'm, I'm very pleased. I can sort of take a breath. So are you, are you the type to read the headlines, the reviews, listen to what people say? Or are you more like, just let me, let me. Let's put it this way. Sit <laughs> On Sunday, I will not be watching. Uh, my phone will probably be nowhere near me. Really? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't know until like much later. And, and, you know, it, my, um, my PR publicist will send me like things that they want me to see uh, because <laughs> I'm seeking them out. Um, right. So it's nice. Whenever I need to see something, it will come to me, and, which is always lovely. But I don't, 
I don't seek it out at all. Yeah. <laughs> so we do this fateful interview, um, fateful fun red carpet moment. Yeah. Then Clive Davis, Brian Grazer call you, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, in your head, what's the first re- first thing you think? You're like, I don't look like Aretha. I could sing like her, but how do you even wrap, basically, how do you wrap your mind around playing the Queen of Soul? I, I, I reconcile with the fact that, okay, I know this is film and which is great. So there's another option if people don't feel good or feel comfortable with this one, good. Also great, we have two um, celebratory pieces about her, great the more the merrier. So I was like, let's put, let's put another version in the world so we can get, so we can get to know her more and celebrate her the way she deserves to be. And then I go, this is the work. This is the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, if I was playing myself in every role, then I would just be playing myself. That is not work. The job mm. is to transform and to, to find as much of the essence of this person to tell her story um, and so that's what I challenged myself to do. Yeah. And how do you find the essence of that person? Because obviously there's the public Aretha, there's the private Aretha, there's the blending, there's, you know, you're in a certain time period. Yeah. How do you, how do you find it? Um, I think it was, a, a lot of it was in her interviews, in the way she would speak to, and she would, it would be different from, from, from person to person. If she was comfortable with that person, she would be like big and loud and funny. And, you know, if there were, it, like, if she was in her home environment, she would be really, really comfortable. If she was in an interview studio or like on a game show, there was one interview I saw her on a game show, very quiet, very demure, very coy. She'd pull it back mm-hmm. and it would make the person lean into the, into her. And I used to just be really fascinated by that. That the, uh, there was, she had this wonderful sort of understanding of how to make, a person come to where she was. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I loved watching that. I loved how she would change and and almost be a chameleon with all of that. Uh, looking at pictures, because that would always tell you where she was in time, because her style would change, her hair would change, the look would change, um, the music would change. Uh, listening to her music, because she would sometimes talk to her audience. So that tells you how comfortable mm. she was with her audience and where she, whenever she was doing. I think it was lit live at the Fillmore that I was listening to, um, a, which is a brilliant album. She does a song with Ray Charles on that album, which is amazing. And um, but she speaks to her audience. And you know, when she speaks mm. to her audience, it's like she's at home and she's like free and light and airy. And and you put all of those things together. I watched um, Amazing Grace, which gave me sort of insight on the relationships she had, especially with James and her father, and the relationship she had to her music, the relationship she had to gospel, the relationship she had to church. Um, and you put all of those things together and then you have to fill in some of the blanks because we don't have her here to speak mm-hmm. about. And she didn't speak about her life very much. So you're sort of filling in the blanks where you can. Um, but a lot of the stuff is, is known. And she did a couple of in, written interviews. Um, so you would read those because you can hear her voice in them as well. Mm. It's really cool. Yeah. You're just finding whatever piece of information you can. Because I felt like each piece is really full. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Was there a moment, like you said, there are some blanks you had to fill in. Is there a blank where you wish you could just call her and like, Ms. Franklin, this is the one thing I need to know. And I just, I can't find that info anywhere. Um, 
Hmm, I guess. I guess it's not necessarily like, like a, a blank that I need to fill in because I, I know and and he's still alive and, and we spoke to him, Glyn Terman, at time with Glyn Terman. I think she was really, really in love. Um, mm. I would love to like sit and talk to her about that and, and when she gave that up and why, why they couldn't stay, be together. Um, Cause he still loves her, you know, he still loved mm. her. Um, and you watch, you know, look at pictures of them together and they, they just look like they're having so much fun together. They look so sweet. They look like super sexy together as well. <laughs> like, you know, it's such a cool pairing. And right. I want to know what, what that what that would have been like and and what she was going through and why she made that decision, you know, because I don't believe it was one without thought or or understanding. Um, and it also was at a, a time when she was going through something desperately sad. She was losing her mm. father same time so I wonder if that had any effect and I wonder if she ever fell out of love with him if she ever if she, mm. you know, something tells me that she maybe was never out of love with him it just mm. wasn't, yeah so you're singing Aretha obviously again we go back to that red carpet I know you like to sing Aretha uh, <laughs> I still can't believe it it's so wild um, <laughs> When you're preparing to not not sing Aretha as Cynthia, yes. but singing Aretha as Aretha, yeah. obviously you don't want to be an SNL skit. You don't want to be a pure impersonation because that's an impersonation. How do you balance portraying Aretha, yeah. but not trying to just mimic her? Right. And how do you know when that's the voice to use? Right. So, so it's so strange because that was the thing in my head that I kept reminding myself. The the for me, the idea was not to mimic or to try and sound exactly like she sounded because then it's sort of then you start pulling people out of what you're what you want them to watch. Like right. everybody knows that my voice is my voice. The vocal cords I have and the voice box that I have <laughs> make the sound that it makes. Right? Um, there are maybe like some tonal similarities, but we have not got the same voice. Um, but it's my job to listen to the music that she makes and to find the intricacies and the choices that she makes within each of the songs. Um, I was with an amazing vocal coach, Antea Joy Bachet, who would sit with me for an hour or two going through each song bit by bit by bit by bit, breaking it down, finding the reasons for choices, going back and forth between something and, and something else, perfecting a trill that she might do, perfecting a riff that she might do, perfecting the breath that she might take, making sure we come in where she comes in, uh, because those are those are the, the habits she has. It's, there are particular habits that um, only Aretha has that I do not have, that when singing, even if I, I didn't try and match tonally, even if I just sang as myself with the, the habits that she has, you you can recognize, hopefully, that that's Aretha. That's not mm. her thing that way. I, I can't, um, she has a way of basically singing however she wants to, given at any given moment on any given day. It could be the one song, she could be singing, um, uh, let's say, I'm gonna knock on your door. Uh, she could, until you come back to me, so she could sing that three different ways. You hear the recording, play a live version, totally different. Mm. 
and then you play mm. a different live version totally different. different she sort of sings as she feels that's that day she feels like holding the breath a little longer she feels like drawing mm. this one note a little longer she feels like coming in just after the beat on this one and so we would pick uh, pick particular recordings and then we would just go through them and listen and listen and listen and listen until mm. um the pattern of what she was doing was sort of locked in and then i could just sort of go with it then i could be free when i was singing it yeah so what lessons did you take from aretha's life after playing her after studying her what did you walk away with like you know what i gotta keep that in mind i gotta remember that the next time something happens yeah that that uh I can't imagine that she was never scared, but that just didn't stop her. Mm. So if you think about what she actually went through, this was a, a young woman who, who by the age of 12 was a mother. And so you, you think, well, oh, that might stop her in her tracks. That might, that might put a pause on, on everything. And it, and it didn't, you know, I think it may have made her even more determined to, to do what she was meant to do. Mm -hmm. Sort of pushed past all of these boundaries and pitfalls uh, and used them to, to ascend, I guess. I think mm -hmm. that's the word. Uh, and I think I've learned that if if she could do that in the time that she was living through, if we really think about it, she was living as a Rita Franklin that we know and love through the sixties into where where we are right now. You know, just yep. recently, and she did that against all odds and and managed to carve out a space for herself that even with the evolution that was cons consistent, it was constant evolution for her. Mm. People with her, people wanted to hear her voice. People wanted to hear what she had to say. She used her music to speak to the times, to the things that were happening at the time. And I think mm. that's really important. And so I think I've been encouraged to one, use what I do as a creator to both speak to the times and to speak to my experience um, without being afraid of it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and to look for the details, to really like dive in where, where music is concerned, find the small like things that belong to me, the things that I only mm. do, the, the, the riffs that make me me and the sound that I like, but really like dive into to find that space for myself. and. Mm. enjoy the music that I, I made because I think she enjoyed it. She enjoyed her music, I think, yeah. Is she, was she a survivor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. In every way, really. I think, mm -hmm. you know, from the get-go, even when you know, she's trying to find her sound, she's trying to find out who she is, that's, and when you find it, that's, you know, surviving insecurity and that's, surviving uh, the odds against you when you're in a very male dominated business. The fact that she was a child who had uh, children, mm. that's, that makes it by all intents and purposes, just by default, a survivor, mm. you know? Mm. Uh, she, and she was consistently surviving. 
complicated relationships that, that may have put her in danger. She survived it. She came through and, and thrived. When she had to fight to get you know, a producer's credit on her own album, that's surviving the fear of <laughs> having to fight people to give her the space to do that when she should never have had to, you know? And she made it that far. She made it into her 70s. In, in what way do you see yourself similar in the sense of fighting as a Black woman in Hollywood, um, whether it's acting or in the music business? Some of those fights she had yeah. are still happening. Yeah, they are. You know, there's a, and it hasn't quite gone away yet. You are you're definitely always having to prove your worth. Mm. Definitely having to always prove that you are worthy of doing something or you are uh, even like worthy of equal payment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Still having to do that, still having to have those conversations, still having to fight with people uh, about that. Um, and, you know, when it comes to my music, I, you know, I still had to have the conversation about what what I am owed. Am I able to be a producer on my own album? And I, I am. I made that decision. I realized, wait a minute, I would like to have this. And there's still a long way to go in the music industry because those contracts aren't um, always savory. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was lucky enough to, to have my, my label be generous enough to give me the like carte blanche when I when it came to creative freedom. So I was able to do mm. whatever. Um, but there's still ways to go, you know, mm. still a ways to go. It's about being able to own master your masters, which is the ownership of your own music. And right. we haven't gotten that far yet. We still are fighting that fight to find a way for there to be equal ownership of the music. Um, yeah, and, and I've, you know, I've, come up against some odds, to be honest. You know, when, mm. I, when I first got to, to New York to do a show, I'd come from a place where I was doing small plays uh, and not being paid very much at all. And really essentially doing it for the love of it. So having mm -hmm. to work different jobs whilst doing a show uh, in uh, Soho Theatre or on West End, all of those mm -hmm. things. Um, and not really being seen for screen or TV, not being mm -hmm. seen someone who could do that. Uh, also because there just wasn't that much space for young black women uh, or, or older black women, to be honest, on, on our TV screens in the UK. And so a lot of the examples I got were from here and you know, I've had to push past that. Um, mm. But here I didn't know that there was even a possibility. So when I found that that was, I, I felt like I had you know, gotten there against the odds, to be honest, yeah. Were there, back in the UK, were there conversations that said, you know what, you're just not right for any of those parts? Or was it more like, why aren't I going up for any part? You know what I mean? Was it so transparent? Both conversations would be happening. You'd, you'd have, you're not right for that part. I had once, I had once had someone say, you want, I wasn't African enough for a part. Um, I had. What does that even mean? I don't even, I can't even, I can't, I, I can't even, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I had it. And I, I think I asked the same question. I said, I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know, mm. I don't know what that means. Um, 
I've, you know, you, you have, she doesn't quite look right for the part. She's not. And this is all code. Yeah, it's all code, connotation for she's not light enough. Um, mm. And, and you, you, you sort of come up against it. And, and then there are, there are roles that happen. You go, why did that ever come in? Did that come, did we get a chance to go out for that? No, it didn't, it didn't come in, didn't pass the table, didn't. Mm. So sort of like, there's always like a barrier almost. You're sort of fighting against, like trying to fight through it all. Um, yeah, so that and that conversation I think is still happening from time to time. In mm-hmm. I think it's gotten better. You know, uh, you have we have the lucky uh, privilege of having someone like Michaela Cole write beautiful pieces mm. and and display our um, life, display the fact that we are all different, that we're not a monolith, that we live very different lives, that we all have complex relationships, that we have complex um, experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have Number de Mizweni who whose work in theater in the United Kingdom was unbelievable. Um, she's, you know, and, and I think is only now getting the chance to be on screen. Uh, she may have had one or two small roles, but she's like coming into her own now and she, totally deserves that space and and it's so it's so crazy to think that she's just at the beginning of this screen career because I know that it's going to be incredible for her because she is brilliant um just in her bones she's brilliant you know (laughs) and I think that so now we're we're moving forward and it's changing and we're starting to be seen as you know interesting people to to be seen on screen but I know for a fact that some people don't know that I'm English in the United Kingdom. They, they don't know, which is strange because <laughs> <laughs> that's where I've come from and that's, what I, that's where I start. Right. You know, you really have to do some homework, which is a, a quick Google and you'll find out. <laughs> Very strange, odd thing. But yeah, I, but I do think the, the conversation is starting to move forward, but those conversations were still being had, yeah. After listening to what you just said, which was so beautifully said, I can't help but think, the first time you got a standing ovation for I'm here yeah. has so many layers to it. <laughs> Listening to what you're saying, because the I'm is Cynthia is saying it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think every time I, it's so strange because that song is so special because it's a chance for not just the character to speak those words, it's also a chance for the person playing. The character to speak them for herself too. So for me, it really was a moment in the show where, where Cynthia, where I would would surface, and mm. I would part in that moment. But it wouldn't just be Celie singing those words. It wouldn't be just, it wouldn't be just her moment. It really would be for me. Wow. I, you know, I was always connected to her, but I was in that moment not just connected but present. Like I was there. Mm with her as she was singing it so when when that happens when the words i am and i'm here are said it's me recognizing that that i i i exist i'm here this is my experience this is and i'm deserving of it Now we're going to take a short break, but when we return, Arrivo talks about playing the Blue Fairy in the Robert Zemeckis-directed Pinocchio for Disney+. And later, we have a little bit of a therapy session while discussing her signature manicures. But first, some 
dish about the Academy Museum. I happen to live just a few blocks away from the museum. This past weekend, I drove by and noticed the word Fanny's being stenciled onto a ground floor window. Could it be the name of the museum's restaurant? Hopefully, we'll find out soon. The museum is set to open in September. Now, here's more of Cynthia Arrivo. Pinocchio. Yeah. So when I hear Blue Fairy, yeah. and I think Cynthia Arrivo, I'm thinking yeah. blue hair, blue makeup, blue nails, <laughs> big blue twall, just avant-garde. Like, I just feel like if there's anyone who's going to take a fairy and just give us this spin, yeah. it's you. I mean, you might be right. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, I think, and that, you know, and having conversations to to begin, they really have sort of like given me carte blanche about what I want to do. Uh, you know, um, mm. they have a creative idea which is really, really beautiful. I don't want to spoil it because it's really lovely. Um, but like, I have my own hair and makeup team going over and. But like right now, I know that Terrell, my makeup artist, is making eyelashes currently for it. You, you know, so I know like I know that you're already it's a different aesthetic because it's me, right? You know, right. this black girl. <laughs> you know, um, and I'm really excited about it. I think that um, we don't have very many bl- black fairies. We don't have them no. on us very often, and. You know, now I, I'm very proud to be joining the ranks with, you know, Yara Shahidi, and I'm very proud that we're getting to join the ranks of Disney with with um, Haley, who's playing the Little Mermaid. Like, it's kind of awesome. And you know, I keep joking that my, because I, I thought of it when my when Leslie spoke to me, because Leslie's uh, daughter is my goddaughter. Okay. And uh, obviously, congratulations to him because he's double nominee. Trust us to be. <laughs> Um, but he he said your goddaughter is going to be so excited about this and it was that moment that I realized I'm a fairy godmother I'm a literally life fairy godmother and that makes me happy that may have been that, that may be one of the biggest achievements in my life to be able to say that to my goddaughter <laughs> well so if you are a fairy godmother that means the expectations are going to be high you need to figure out when she says I want this to give it to her, she's going to be, my fairy godmother don't work. Yeah. <laughs> I have to figure it out. She will get, she's like, she's spoiled though from me. Cause you know, I can't help it. She's so sweet. She's got the biggest smile. She just, I love her very, very much. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I have two goddaughters. One of them is in uh, New Zealand. So I have, to, I haven't even been able to see her in person yet. So we have to like FaceTime the whole entire time. Cora is her name and she's wonderful. Um, and she also is like divine and just sweet and lovely. And I think I'm already a bit like a fairy godmother because I'm just odd to look at and very different <laughs> to most people with the nose piercing and the ears right. and the nails. And I like already they were always like, hmm. <laughs> just looking. <laughs> I'll put my hands up and she'll like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So how often are you getting those nails done, by the way? Um, I get them because <laughs> I get them for maybe once a month. 
once every three weeks, something like that. Wow. Also, sometimes I get bored with what they look like. So I'll just wow. like go and have a change of color or a change of like design on them just because it's fun. And Yeah, I, ju I just started. I've embraced that. Like it a lot. I, I also, and I admit this because I'm at the age where I can admit things like this. I was a, I'm a terrible nail biter. It's been a horrible for my whole life. And so this has helped me because. Yeah, yeah. And it it's fun. There's not a therapy session, so you don't have no. to answer. But I wonder if like nail biting is part of anxiety because I used to bite my nails a lot and it's like. Completely. Oh, you're talking to a gay Jew from New York. Got it. I mean, <laughs> that equals anxiety. <laughs> got it, got it, yeah. But it, maybe, it, I wonder what a way though to find a way to sort of like, um, ease yourself out of doing something that, yeah. that, you know, and then find a way to maybe find a, another outlet for anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, even, you know, like you said, it's not a therapy session, but I'll just say it, you know, I'm sober. And when I was active in my addiction, yeah. one of the signs that I was, that something was going on, I started biting my nails and it took me a very long time to realize like, okay, I'm biting my nails. I need to call someone. I need to do something. So it's very, you're, you're like so spot on. It's exactly that. This is, and you see, it's so strange, like nails. Nails, yeah. You know, it's such a small thing. I think we, you know, I always get asked about them. And for me, I guess it's like, it's like a little rebellion, I guess, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, another way to express myself and, and also it's such, um, for me, I believe it's, it's like the, it's such a, a black female indicator for me. Mm -hmm. The women in my life who I love always got their nails done. When I first got my nails done, I got it done with my, with my God, my, my own godmother. <laughs> and like, I, I always remember, it reminds me of her and it reminds me of, the fun that I can have. And they got, you know, the more I, I got into myself, the more I learned who I was, the more I was comfortable with who I was, I started to mess with designs and the length and the color. Mm -hmm. And it just became a, a way to express and almost to not so quietly um, proclaim my, my black womanhood, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and we all have different ways of showing and sharing it, but this is definitely one of them. Um, Cause it feels very me. And, you know, you look at the, the groups in the nineties and, you know, mm -hmm. how the nail shapes used to change and how it used to, to be. And, you know, it's just, it's part of a culture that is um, very close to my heart. So to be able to like do it and, and bring people joy because every, I get asked about it so often. Right. It's such a wonderful thing. Yeah. And when you think about someone like Dolly Parton, you know, nine to five started on her nails. <laughs> Careful. We're going to end up getting you the part as Dolly Parton in your next project. Love it. <laughs> I would do a remake of nine to five. What a great idea. I love Dolly Parton, by the way. Um, music. Yeah. Album. Yes. What could you tease? Who's on it? What's that duet that I'm gonna hear that's gonna blow my mind? I'm on it. I I wrote the song, <laughs> twelve songs on it. Um, 
I collaborated with a couple different writers. There's a guy called Sean Douglas on it, uh, who, who wrote with me. Uh, Will Wells, who who's just really, really wonderful and has been, and you might see him whenever we, like right now, if there's a, pian if there's a pianist playing, it's probably Will. Okay. Um, I, I, they did Grammy Sounds of Change last night. I did imagine that was him playing. Um, and when the, um, the episode was playing, when we did the, the opening, the premiere of it, that concert, that was him playing. Okay. Um, and he's the executive producer with me on the album. Um, and he's been wonderful and worked with me to create some really beautiful pieces, some of which are very much about me and my life and uh, the things I have been through. Some of the stuff I haven't really ever spoken, spoken about in detail. Uh, other pieces are really about the people I've met, uh, the experiences I've had and, and what I've seen. Um, some of it is about where we are right now and the world that we're living in. Um, a couple of songs were written over Zoom in this in this house. I recorded all of it, um, re-recorded all the vocals. So you, you know, you write them and it's sort of the rough copies, and I had to go back into recording to make them what they are. I recorded all of it during the pandemic, and most of that was whilst I was shooting Aretha. So you know, it, I was doing sort of double duty and, and trying to get this together, and I'm really proud of it. I think there's a, it's hard to tell what people will like. I've been, you know, seeding it to a couple of people just to have a listen to, and everyone comes back with something different. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, there's a song called Speak Sarah, which I really love. It, it feels like a country song by accident, um, mm. but, it, but I really love it. And, and it's about, you know, everyone was, I know there were a couple of songs about what's going on in the world in general. I had written those songs two years prior. So I didn't know we were going to go through this whilst we're going through it, but I did, right. I ended up writing songs that were speaking to what was happening to, to the world. Um, wow. What was going on, very strange. Um, but Sweet Sarah, whilst we were going through it, felt like a song about the individual. That's what it was for me, the individual who's going through this time alone in their house by themselves without anyone to talk to. And, what, and when, when a person who thrives on the spirits of like other people and being around people mm. and sharing their joy with others is now having to be confined to their home by themselves and they don't have a partner, they're just on their own. You know, the doubt that can seek in about, seep in about who they are and whether they're good enough or, you know, whether they're worth having around. And I, I wanted to, you know, give an ode to those people who feel alone. Mm. Um, so I wrote this song, it didn't take very long to write, because I, I don't know why. I don't take very long to write songs often, um, because once the idea is there, it sort of falls out of me. But this one, right. no time at all. I think we wrote it in about an hour and 20 minutes. And <laughs> I was surprised because it just sort of, all the lyrics <laughs> was like fully formed. They, they were in my brain already. It was like, who am I writing about? I'm writing about this person who's on her bed and, you know, she's a good person. She doesn't, but she's feeling very doubtful. What's her name? Sarah, why, why did I pick Sarah? What could it be? And I'll call it Sweet Sarah. So that's the name of the person. And that's sort of how it happened. Things sort of like fell together. Mm. You know, I've, uh, I wrote a song about 
my dad in there. It's called You're Not Here, which is really special. Um, and and I think you might love that song. That that may be the song that makes you cry. Um, well, I have to. I do have to tell you. Um, I lost my brother recently, um, unexpectedly, and I've been listening to I'm Here, and I actually. Um, I wasn't going to tell you this. Um, I put it on Twitter and Facebook. I took the lyrics and I crossed out the she and sister and changed it to brother, to he. And I said, I hope uh, the color purple doesn't mind that I borrow their lyrics. Because it, it really, it's, it's helped me get through this with my brother. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But your, I mean, your music, it's healing. It's really healing. I hope that's, really what, I hope that's what people feel when they hear it. They are mm -hmm. it's a collection of stories that are yeah. of me connected to me. And I hope that it allows other people to get connected as well. You know? Yeah. And are you going to be allowed to own the masters? I don't know if I'm about allowed to be. I'm, I'm going to be allowed to own masters of this one yet, but who knows? Maybe this might start conversations about being able to because I, you know, I wrote every single one of them. Just seeing you last night on the special, on the Grammy special, I'm like, oh, that's the Blue Fairies coming. I mean, that that ensemble you wore last night. I was like, <laughs> only, only Cynthia gets away with that. It only simply gets away with it. And, you know, I appreciate that. I just have fun with it. You know, I, I really enjoy yeah. I enjoy fashion. I enjoy the statements it can make. I enjoy the joy it can bring to others when people see it. I like, you know, I, I'm definitely never <laughs> boring with it. <laughs> I know, I don't know. You know, I would love to do that at some point. I think that's, it feels like an inevitability. It, 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 you know, even if it's just a collaboration with a designer yeah, to, yeah. to with something like a capsule collection. I would love to do that. Love to do that, yeah. We're gonna put that out there. That could be the next thing out of a Mark Malkin interview. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna give myself too much power, but it's I mean, fun. You just yeah. like put things out into the universe and see if they just come back at me because of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get a call from your agent. Listen, she's up for this role on the red carpet. Ask her to sing this. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia, you're amazing. It was good seeing you. Um, hopefully the next time in person. Yeah, I think so. We're getting there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Or a, or a wing? Break a wing? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sweetie. I love Bye. You. That was Cynthia Erivo. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. For now, stay safe and be well. And please keep wearing your masks. See you soon.